Welcome back to another week of Covered in Glory. And I just want to say at the beginning, Brett, I demand you look me in the eyes or I will fight you. Hey, man, you know, I feel like that handshake was just a metaphor for every tense interaction that we've had on this podcast, especially the thing that really made me think of is when I picked Middlesbrough, it was just like that was you as Tuchel just pulling me back and just being like, you're going to look at me when you make that pick. <laughs> well, you ended up getting ashamed just like Conte should be. I'll tell you, overall, it was just absolutely hilarious. Like, it's really unfair for Tuchel to get so mad. He's a foot taller than Conte. Unless Conte was going to have Romero lift him up by the hair, <laughs> they were never going to be at the same level. Well, my favorite. And by the way, my favorite part ahead. of the whole exchange was that Richarlison comes on and does nothing in the actual game. But he does make sure the referee gets the red card to both parties. So, oh, what are you talking about? He did transfer nothing. Spurs. What are you talking about? They paid him whatever fifty million dollars to stand still on the pitch and block the goalkeeper's view, so the referee can allow a goal that shouldn't have ever been given. So, like, great spend by them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have got the draw. Yeah, I didn't see that in their advanced modeling in terms of like off-ball movement. But man, Spurs are ahead of the game. Conte, visionary. No. Visionary. Yeah, you want to talk about 4D chess. Like this is off ball non-movement. Just stand in front of the keeper, let the ball go by, and then the refs won't see it and give you a goal as long as they're cocksuckers, like the ones that were refereeing the game against uh the Spurs and Chelsea last week. <laughs> Not that I'm bitter or anything. Not at all. No, but I my- didn't expect any bitterness out of this week at all. <laughs> by the way, Brett, is that why you got rid of your Kukurea style hairdo? You were you just afraid of violent I conduct really, following honestly, you the everywhere I you don't, went? I do not want someone to come down the street and just pull me by the hair and then try to pretend that nothing happened. It's a, it's a legitimate no, concern. We have we live in a society where that's okay now. It's really smart by you, and it's also considerate of the guy who's going to attack you because he might rip his bicep, tearing your hair so goddamn hard that he's out for a month. <laughs> well, no bitterness at all. It's, anyway. it's amazing. It's amazing though how much we got from just this one. I mean, this is why soccer is amazing. Let's just let's just take a step back and say that. But it's amazing how much we got from just this one match. It's just making me excited for what is coming this season. We haven't even gotten to the World Cup, and we already have this much delight going on. So I'm I'm yeah. very excited. Yeah, I mean, like the phrase, like a good one for the neutrals, I think applied to that game more than almost any game uh, I've seen in quite some time. Uh, although I'm sure I have a short memory. Like there were some tremendous games at the end of last year, particularly even on the last day. So I'm 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 looking at this uh, without any kind of long term vision. But either way, like that was just a tremendous game. If you didn't have a rooting interest, it had drama, had great play on both sides. Uh, managers fighting on the sidelines. I mean, what more can you ask for? Even before the show, like even Meatballs was into it. Meatballs, well, uh, giant hammer fan, but I bet you if I asked him right now what the score of last weekend was, he'd have no idea. But he damn well knows when two guys are going at it on the sidelines. Yeah, I mean, he probably thought that Tuchel was a player with the way that he dashed down the sideline after that one goal. I mean, Jesus, put him in the NFL combine. He's going to get drafted in the third round after that. Yeah, well, it's more than Lukaku moved all of last year. So, <laughs> uh, no bitterness, though, right, Toby? At all? No, no bitterness at all. Zero. Uh, well, I will say we were really hot last week with our picks, uh, Brett. Like we were just giving out gold left and right. We gave out the Chelsea Spurs draw, which shouldn't have been a draw. Uh, Brentford to win outright <laughs> was a great one by you. And my personal favorite, the McTominay Yellow Baby. There it is. Yeah, I mean, Death the only thing we screwed up is that, you know, I think you misheard me when I said Darwin Nunez is going to get a red card, and you said, and I, and you heard me as anytime goal scorer. That was clearly wrong. So I, I'm going to yeah, give it no. to you. I'm not going to fight this one, but, you know, I when I said anytime goal scorer, I clearly meant was going to headbutt somebody on the pitch. So No, 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 no. Uh, hey, meatballs, I mean, I, I don't want to threaten your job or anything, but you got to clean up the audio. It's embarrassing that Brett said red card and everybody heard him say anytime goal scorer. But, uh, but yeah, death taxes and McFred failing. There are now three <laughs> inevitabilities in life. I might give that out every single week. I just love it. Uh, all of those were plus 280 or better. So hopefully you listened or are playing with house money this week. But uh, after that kind of extended opening, why don't we get to this week's games and see if we got some more winners for you? Yes. What do you say, yeah, Brett? Stay hot, baby. Let's do it. Let's stay hot. All right. Let's start out with the game of the week. Manchester United. There it is. 20th. 
How many teams are in the Premier League, Brett? Can you remind me uh, and the listeners? I think there is 20, Toby. That's what so wait, are they're 20. They're 20. That means they're the last place team. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. No, Math. the only reason they're 20th is there's only 20 teams. If there was 26, they'd be 26 right now because <laughs> they have zero points and almost zero hope. And now this week, after getting embarrassed to open the season, they get to play a pissed off Liverpool team uh, that's 12th with two points Monday at 3 p.m. in a game that I cannot wait for, even though I have to wait all weekend. Liverpool is minus 170. Manchester United is plus 425. The draw is plus 340. Liverpool minus a goal and a half is plus 150. Manchester United is minus 200. So the table is obviously garbage until around November, but come on, like seeing 20th next to man, the Manchester United <laughs> brand absolutely has to sting for their fans. And it's also got to sting to see 12th next to Liverpool who have not gotten off to start to the start. Most of us expected from would be title contenders. So Brett, before we dig into the head to head matchup and get into our gambling picks relative to expectations, not, not in a vacuum, but relative to expectations, which fan base should be more panicked right now? Oh, I mean, it, I think it's still got to be United. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. We look at each game. I mean, and, and, you know, I'm obviously the one that, as you pointed out, has the spreadsheets taped up all on my wall. But you kind of look at each match as like a data point. And with each thing in Liverpool, you can kind of see some stuff that there's a lot of, a lot of reason for optimism. You know, we're going to talk about it a lot this year. But that field tilt percentage, the ability to pin teams in the opposing third is always a good indicator that like things are going really well. And United has had these gaudy possession numbers, but they've also just turned it into junk shots and, and possession. It's been very empty possession and they've been lucky they've had so much of it because when they're out of possession, they've been absolutely horrible. Um, there's It's just entirely clear that two things are going on with United. One, these players do not fit well together. Watching David De Gea have to play out of the back is incredibly painful. And then we've seen Christian Eriksen start as a false nine, and then one week later start as a <laughs> six. So Ten Hag, I mean, you called it ten weeks, and then you texted me and said it's going to be more like Eric six weeks. And I think you're right because if if you're a manager and you're making that drastic of a change with a single player inside of a single week you are reaching badly for answers, whereas Liverpool has in, mostly gotten unlucky. In the second week. In the second freaking yeah. week. Like, he's had four months or whatever he's had to prepare because he was hired in, what, April of last year? Yeah. He's had four months to prepare, and after one game, he's moving Erickson 60 yards back the pitch. <laughs> what the hell is he doing? Oh, the, the, the best part about the Erickson move is that he moved him into two positions where he just clearly isn't comfortable with. And it's not like Christian Eriksen, like, is this player that just came from this unknown league. He's a known commodity. And he fell in United's laps because he had that horrible medical issue when he was playing in the Euros. And, like, it's not like this dude just came out of nowhere and Ten Hag's got to figure out where to put him. We've seen what Eriksen does well. It's not hard. <laughs> like, it's crazy. That's a great point, Brett. Erickson is somewhat fragile, right? Like the guy's got a heart condition. You can't be surprising him this way. It's just cruel and unusual to be jerking him all over the field like this. Let the guy do what he does best. Why would you play him in places where you can set him up to fail and the whole team to fail around him? Yeah, I mean, but that, I mean, that's the United way, though, Toby. Let's be honest. This is the Manchester United way is to take good players and then find ways to ruin them. You can't do things that just ruin your brand, okay? That if, if we if United started doing the right thing, I mean, that's like you know, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria type stuff. So I think this yeah, is this is I, going to be a disaster for them for a while. And the best part is, is now we get to watch a transfer window close on them, where we are seeing random names being thrown out and guys like Adrian Rabio asking for too much money to play for United and they're considering it because they're that desperate. I mean, it's delicious, Toby. It's delicious. Yeah. And what's, what's crazy, Brett is like, there's not a single name out there that will actually do much for them because they're just so far away from a coherent style of football. So like, you know, I saw Casemiro get floated and like Casemiro's an excellent player, but he's not the one guy who's going to be able to like fix their, their issues in the front, their issues in the back, their issues in the midfield. Like they need a complete 
100% overhaul. Because like right now to me, they just look like a national team where it's just a collection of talent all trying to do different things and looking completely incoherent. So it's going to be a real slog for them to get it together because they flat out lack the right players for this manager. And if they change the manager, it won't matter because the players likely won't fit the next system either because they don't do the same things. If you have 11 individual parts, like they might all work for different machines, but that doesn't mean you could just throw them together and expect the thing to you know perform correctly. And so without a actual strategy, without a full alignment to that strategy, it does not matter how much money they spend. And they're just going to be a collection of all-stars that get blown out uh, by these teams that actually play coherent systems. Yeah, and, and it's, it's funny because basically, essentially, the other side of the coin with Liverpool that we brought up is like, you don't have any of these issues. It's like they just I had to start Nat Phillips. That was Liverpool's big problem. <laughs> so as long as they don't have to start Nat Phillips, even though he's like their sixth center back, they're going to be okay. With United, it's like you need X, Y, Z, A, 1, 2, 7 to all come together for them to probably make this coherent. And even then, I don't even think their ceiling is higher than maybe fifth or sixth place. Even if yeah. everything comes together and turns around, I, and we'll, we'll get into this episode if the window closes and we'll do a futures episode and we'll talk about this kind of stuff. But I just think that this is just such a, a disaster. I know it's easy to jump on United. It's everybody's favorite pastime. It's everybody's favorite thing to do to overreact to like a couple of bad weeks from any club. Um, but this is really bad and it's alarming for like a number of reasons. And I'm just going to eat it up though while I can though, because it's delicious. It is so delicious. Well, to make it even worse, they're absolutely at a disadvantage playing at home right now in front of fans yeah. ready to riot at a moment's notice. So like this particular game this week, I love Liverpool to write themselves in this game. I'm going to bank on United, not just losing, but being embarrassed again. Give me Liverpool minus the one and a half at plus 150. I even looked at the two and a half number. Like I can see them just getting absolutely rolled in another week of United panic uh, um, texts and emails and news articles and just more and more crazy names being floated in the transfer window that aren't going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Casemiro is going to be making about 600K a week uh, by the time Liverpool beats him 4-1. So good for him. A 30-year-old defensive midfielder being one of the highest paid players in soccer is going to work out well for United. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I, part of me thinks this game is just going to be a little weird. Uh, well, there's a lot of guys out for Liverpool. Nunez is going to be out with the red card because uh, he headbutted Anderson last week. Uh, Yota was out. Firmino was out. Um, Thiago's out. So th- there, there's issues with Liverpool. It's not systemic stuff like it is at United, um, but availability is going to be a big thing. So we, we have warned people constantly with some of these picks. Always watch the starting 11s. That's going to be especially important for Liverpool. I think if they can throw out three of their better attackers and the midfield is somewhat you know, coherent and it isn't starting James Milner and Harvey Elliott. <laughs> um, I mean, not nothing wrong with Elliott. It's more Milner at 36 or 37 out there. Um, and Nat Phillips isn't at center back. Uh, I feel very confident taking the same number with you at Liverpool. Uh, however, I, I think one bet that may hit one either way is going to be the under a three and a half. Um, it's at minus 165. It's not a great pricing, but there just are not a lot of, um, score lines that isn't Liverpool completely running away with this, you know, winning 3-1, 4-1, 5-1, just completely, you know, blowing that United off the pitch. That gets you over that number. Um, I don't really see the 2-2 score lines that come into play here. I mean, and really at this point, like, who on United is scoring a goal? Like, who looks in form enough to put the ball in the back of the net, even if Nat Phillips is playing? Um, so, I, I like the under one way or the other. The spread, though, is going to be interesting. I don't know if two goals is going to be good enough if Liverpool is still missing a lot of key guys. Yeah, I, I don't know. After Brentford scored four goals in the first 37 minutes, I don't know if I'm taking any under in the United game. They can they can get blown out by just about anyone. Counter, not the Brentford point. Brentfield is not starting Nat Phillips. <laughs> I don't know. Matt Phillips probably would start for Brentford, but that's neither here nor there. So um, for my prop, 
I love Diaz this week, because, partly because of what you're describing, um, because I think he's going to have a lot of the opportunity flow through him, and part just because of how much Manchester United is struggling getting out of their own half and also struggling against the counter. And Diaz is extremely quick reacting, and both situations benefit him. So I'd be surprised if he didn't you know, factor into this game to the point where he didn't get at least one shot on target. And obviously, I think Poole's going to win here, so I thought an attractive way to lower the juice on both of those bets is to parlay Liverpool to win with Diaz to have one shot on target. And you can get that down all the way to almost even money at minus 103. Yeah, I mean, and dude, there is nothing more fun. I mean, you're a Chelsea fan. You know, I sort of have a loose affiliation with Everton at this point. Um, but it is it is really fun. Diaz is a really cool story. He was awesome when he came over. And that goal with a man down, like I saw a couple, you know, fun little pictures tweeted like Diaz's x-ray and it's just a bunch of dog in his chest. Like he really reminds me of some guys that I used to work with in my basketball days that just have a ton of dog. That dude competes. He goes till the last like bit of energy that he has left. Um, it's, it's just fun to take a bet on Luis Diaz because it's awesome to just watch him play. Um, so I, I yeah. love it just for that reason. Like, He's a fun player. We're going to focus on a soccer match to watch. And, you know, he, the goal he scored last week was insane. You know, he dribbled around like five guys and put it in the upper right-hand corner. That was an awesome goal. So yes. Yeah. It was like a vintage. uh, Basically is what I'm saying. It was a vintage Eden Hazard goal uh, is what it reminded me of. And also like without that goal, hot take, my answer to the, the question I asked you would have been different. I think if he hadn't scored that goal and they had started out with one point, uh, in two matches, including a loss to Crystal Palace after the red card, I think Liverpool might have more panic versus expectations than even United because they're supposed to be title contenders. And having one point out of six when City is already a juggernaut, uh, I think would have put them way, 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 way back to the point where people would have had a little bit more panic. But Diaz rescued them. It was an incredible goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, also another reason why soccer is great. Goals with uh, a man down are a lot of fun. For sure. All right. Uh, so let's move over to Tottenham Hotspur, fourth at four points versus Wolves, 14th at one point. This game is Saturday at 7.30 a.m., bright and early. Spurs are minus 255. Wolves are plus 700. The draw is plus 400. So, uh, I, oh, I'm sorry. Spurs minus 1.5 is plus 110, and the Wolves are minus 140 to complete the odds. So obviously I was having a little bit of fun at, at Spurs' offense at, um, at the top of the game. And I will say that I walked away from the Chelsea Spurs game far more impressed with Chelsea on the whole, as I thought they dominated the vast majority of the match and showed real quality uh, from everywhere on the pitch besides the six yards in front of the goal, which has been the Chelsea story for quite some time now. I thought they were definitely the better team, but Spurs still showed a lot of fight and continue to bury the chances they're creating at a really crazy clip. Uh, We need more games to tease everything out. But after two games, I'm still extremely bullish on their overall quality. And they look poised at a minimum to be flat track bullies. Wolves certainly did not cover themselves in glory to start the year, only taking one point in two matches against legit relegation contenders. I think they'll gel together and be the usual bitch to play, you know, six weeks from now. But they just aren't there yet. So I definitely think Spurs will get all three points at home. And then it just comes down to the odds of how you want to bet it. My head looks at Wolves and their black magic and their ability to keep uh, games close. Like I talked about this a lot last year and you always talk about regression to the mean, but facts are the facts. Until they ran into City and Poole who were playing with their hair on fire in May in their first 11 games against top six opponents last year, they kept 10 of them within one uh, within one goal. And... My heart looks at it, though, and says each team's form is where it's at. I don't think the Wolves are together. I think the Spurs are still great, despite, you know, the draw last week. And I think the Spurs will continue to try to make a statement after they were gifted the point last week by the refs. I think it's an early season mistake, but I'm going to go with my heart and I'm going to take Spurs minus one and a half at plus 110. Yeah, I I wasn't as bullish on the Spurs line, that Spurs line. I think I would drop all the way down and take the adjusted line of a half goal at minus 265 pricing sucks. Obviously um, I, I'm like you, I, I, with with one, I guess, exception wolves do have black magic, but that black magic was basically Jose Sa having an unprecedented, unbelievable year 
that saved them from looking like the legit relegation candidates that they were. Uh, we kind of went over that math a little bit in one of our later episodes uh, of last season. And I think the same is true. There's also a transition going on at Wolves where they're transitioning from that back three that kind of was a staple under Nuno, Nuno and now it's a back four. Um, Jorge Mendes is basically just turning this club into a piggy bank, uh, bringing in any Portuguese person that can kick a soccer ball. Um, and I just, there's nothing about this team that impresses me really at this point. And the, like you said, underwhelming, I think is probably the right word for it. Um, again, using each game as a data point, you kind of have to do a little bit of like, if this team is, is doing this against this team, then this might mean this team is this, that happens a lot in the early season. Um, you know, they were better against Leeds, but Leeds hasn't been good. You know, Fulham has looked okay in their first two matches but there's still a team coming up from the championship and they thoroughly out uh, what I thought was thoroughly outplayed them in a nil nil draw. Um, so wolves to me look like a team that's going to probably end up being in that 14 to 16 range, maybe teetering on 17. Um, and I mean, Spurs are going to be a top 14. So I, I feel confident in Spurs to win, but there is some weirdness about wolves that I can't quite put my finger on. That makes me not as comfortable to take the one and a half. Um, but I mean, I'm going to be hammering overall goal totals again. It's going to come down to this Spurs have been really good defensively so far to start the season that under minus two and a half is plus plus one fifteen, And it's the same question that you look at with the United game against Liverpool, who on wolves, do you trust to score a goal, especially against a good defensive team like Spurs, you know, Neto is back, but he, that wasn't ever really his thing. He's not a 20, you know, goal per season guy. And he's not going to save a pretty mediocre attacking side. Um, Nunez, the, the midfielder that they're going to bring over, who might not even be available, um, is coming from Sporting Lisbon, where I think he had one goal and three assists in his domestic league play. So it's not like they're bringing in this a massive attacker for 50 million pounds. Um, so I think they're going to have some trouble scoring. I think we're going to see that routinely played out. So that under at plus money, where you're getting that like 1-0, Spurs scoreline, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. And if you, you know, believe part of what Brett's saying, you believe part of what I'm saying, uh, it might be a clever bet this week to take the plus 110 of the one and a half uh, with a clean sheet. Because if you don't think Wolves can score, then that naturally leads to the clean sheet. Yeah. If you parlay those together, I don't have it in front of me, but it's got to be somewhere in like the mid 200s, upper 200s if you put them together. So that might be a way. If you, if you like a little of what I'm saying, a little of what Brett's saying, uh, peanut butter and jelly them together and get yourself a very delicious sandwich. Uh, for my prop bet, other prop bet, I guess I might be placing that one myself now that I heard you talk about Wolves. <laughs> uh, the one I had written down was Kulisevsky to get uh, an assist at plus 175. I actually went to the section ready to take Parasic, who I thought was really excellent on set-piece delivery versus Chelsea. And I don't know if he's just not form, like fully matched fit, but Conte has not unleashed him in the starting lineup yet. Uh, so I couldn't back him, you know, at his number at plus 225 if I didn't think he was going to get a full 90. But he was really good on set pieces. And he's still a world-class player, even if he's lost just a slight bit of pace. Not that that matters as much against Wolves. Um, but give me Kulisevsky. Despite the headlines gathered by Kane and Son, he's actually the one more likely to find a creative way through the Wolves block. And he's going to let one of his more famous teammates get the glory of an easy finish, but he's going to be the one with the assist on the, on the tally sheet. So I don't love the number, but in this particular game, that was my favorite prop. Yeah, no, I, I think that's always good. You know, I, I, we kind of speak so much to Kane and son when you talk about Spurs and for good reason, like they obviously power the machine, but it really was cool. coming over that like took them to that other gear. Um, and then the other thing that's just kind of interesting from a standpoint of like when you watch them play is their wingbacks really get into it. And Sessignon, part of the reason why I think there hasn't been this huge push for Perisic to take that left wingback role is Sessignon score. And he's just generally been good. And Conte's wingbacks are like instructed to crash into that far post when the ball's on the opposite side of the pitch. So when you look at like Kuloszewski, when he drives forward with the ball on the right side, he gets to pick out from assessing on a wingback crashing against, you know, maybe no one and then Sun and Kane. So he's feeding like three really hungry miles in front of that goal. Um, and he, that's kind of his thing. He's not a goal scorer. He is a creator. That's his baseline for, you know, his numbers for how he plays. 
So I love those bets. I think his pricing might be sneaky and efficient a lot too because of that. Um, so I think that's a really cool, I think it's a really good bet. I think it's a smart way to look at this, this match and this game. Um, and it, it's really good to look at the pricing sometimes of those guys that don't have their lines driven up because they are the stars. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get to our next match, Brett, I want to throw a little bit of a curveball at you. If uh, eagle, eagle-eared listeners out there might detect a trend in my bets, I keep taking the better team uh, at a goal and a half instead of just a goal because I just like the odds better. And I've got a bit of a wild theory, and I wanted to run it by you because I've got no numbers to back this up. I've got no data. Uh, this is just pure guy on the couch trying to think things through and, and what he's seeing and, and how to explain it. Um, and that's, I guess, why they call it gambling and not investing. <laughs> uh, so of the top six teams that have played against, uh, I'm sorry, that have won against non-top six teams so far this year, five of the six of the score lines have ended up at least two goals or better. And I've been trying to think about why that might be, because a lot of times in August, you see a lot of sluggishness, right? Particularly from top sides. And so I started thinking about the summer break and uh, the World Cup. And a lot of the times you see that sluggishness in August because the, the top six teams are just chock full of like people that are critical to their their nation's team. And the summer often has a congested uh, fixture list for national teams, no more so than when, you know, in kind of World Cup years, right? But we're in this unprecedented period where we're going to play the World Cup in November instead of June or July, and there wasn't a European Cup or any of those things. And so are we seeing extra sharpness out of the top players in the world on the top teams because it's inversed, because they're more rested from the summer since they didn't have as high intensity national team duty. And they also have to impress the national team coach to either make the plane uh, that's going over to Qatar or to make the starting 11 and really cover themselves in glory while wearing their nation's flag. So do you think there's anything to that whatsoever, that the top teams are coming out sharper because of the change in the World Cup schedule? And that's one reason that they're not slow starting this year and actually starting with their foot on the gas. Yeah, I mean, it it could be. Um, I think, you know, the one thing that we saw, like after we had, you know, kind of that pandemic break and then they came back and they finished the season and it rolled right into the next season. And then that rolled, I think, right into the Euros and then it rolled into the next year. Like soccer traditionally doesn't have a lot of downtime. And one of the big like uh, strategic things that's happened more is pressing, right? And so pressing can open up a game in one of two ways. It can either suffocate it or it can just dial up the number of possessions. And obviously when you press and the ball gets through, you get these massive one-on-one situations. So I think a team having more rested players means they can be a little bit more aggressive in the running phase of, of without the ball. And that type of pressing and more aggressive system is going to lead to games that have a little bit higher variance where you get opportunities for worse clubs to just play the one ball through like crystal palace against Liverpool. That's a perfect example. Zaha gets matched up in a Nat Phillips, beautiful pass gets played through Liverpool's up pressing it's Phillips in 40 yards of space, crystal palace goal, right? And that, that I think is definitely, there's some legs to that. I think anytime these soccer teams get rest, um, you, it's more fun to watch. It's kind of the whole argument that's been made for the NBA is there's too many games and guys get tired and we have to rest everybody. But I definitely think this year, no international break over the summer and having it be the first like true break for a lot of these guys in what, like two and a half, three years, probably. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's interesting. We're definitely in weird times. I think with that. So I, you know, it's probably too early to say one way or the other conclusively, but it's definitely a narrative that I think you have a lot of credibility in stating. Yeah, I don't know if I have any credibility ever in stating anything, <laughs> but I am I am pressing this because like if you look at the odds and the odds that we've been talking about in these games to take them just to win, you're paying, you know, minus 260, minus 270, minus 280. If you're willing to push a two goal advantage, then you're getting way better pricing. I mean, wildly betting pricing plus on all numbers for all of these teams. And so it just is interesting to me in these like high intensity, high uh, variance games that there aren't a lot of one goal wins. They're either, you know, draws or losses or two goal wins. And I know it's two weeks in. I know it's not enough data to actually draw anything conclusively, but I just tried to started thinking about it. Why? And then you add in the fact 
that not only did they have a little bit more rest over the summer, not only you add in the fact of the extra motivation to try to secure the best place possible on the national team, they also don't have European matches yet. So yeah. they also don't have yeah, anything that's another that big week. Thing too, yeah. so, so they're playing one game a week with rest, highly motivated, all because of the change in the World Cup. And I think throughout this year, uh, at least probably until like February, we have to keep the World Cup in mind of how it's impacting domestic leagues specifically for gambling because it's never been seen before. And you can throw out a lot of the other like data sets because this is new territory. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and I also think, too, that and, uh, you know, this would probably be better for uh, other podcasts on our network um, that do NFL stuff. But I, I do know that in the NFL, there was I, I think there's been this trend towards games that are not as close. It's either, you know, close games and blots. And it's partially because I think the push towards like more aggressive strategical stuff, like going forward on fourth down, well, the increase in passing, things like that. And I think soccer yeah, I mean, forget, for, could be the same forget way. about the NFL for a second, Brett, forget about the NFL. I mean, the NBA has been ruined by this. Like yeah. that was one of the worst playoffs of my entire lifetime because there's so much variance created by the three pointers. Now there's almost no close games like Sal famously bet 10 point margin of victory on both sides in almost every single playoff game. And it's, you know, highly profitable for him. So this idea of increased variance across the NBA, across, um, across the NFL, hell, even in baseball with the three true outcomes has really started to cut into the reason to take any money line in any sport and rather not look at the odds for, you know, larger margins of victories that are in line with the increased variance. Yeah. And I, and, and, and another thing that plays into that, this is such an interesting thread here because another thing you can pull at is now there's five subs available. And we've talked before about how subs actually have a greater chance of increasing goals. So what happens yep. when a team goes down one goal, they're going to sub on more attackers. So yeah, th this is really interesting. I, I, my gears are definitely spinning Toby, you know, this might be the mastermind, man. Try to play the dummy here and you're in the, you're behind the scenes, like fucking Kaiser Sose, you know, trying to convince the world that you don't exist, but no, th this is really interesting. I, I, I like this a lot. I think that the subs were going to impact gambling a lot with soccer. Um, it's definitely something that's going to come up a lot when we talk about the world cup, because there's probably going to even be more aggressive subbing there and squad rotation there. Um, but I, I do think all this stuff ties in together and we might, start seeing something drift that way. And it, it would, it would stand a reason that if these other sports are being pushed by strategical advantages that make games more possession based and higher variance that you would see more tilted score lines in, in, um, as a result. So it's definitely an awesome point. Uh, look at this dude. Look at this guy. He's trying to play as a dummy on the couch. This guy, uh, don't, don't let him fool you. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, oh man, I think we should just sign off there. I'm definitely not going to do any better this episode. I'm just going to say <laughs> 10 dumb things that contradict every single thing you just said. So we better go to break. Let your wheels turn for a second. Let the audience realize that I'm still a dumbass, and then we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are back, and I am still aglow at all the compliments coming my way from the real expert, Brett Corominas. Man, this is must be what you feel like all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know who's complimenting me. I mean, Meatballs is always really nice to me. When he's not on West Ham subreddit, he says very nice things. But <laughs> other than that, all I don't right. really get compliments. Well, I'll give you a compliment if you pick this game right. Of course, I already know the outcome. You're just guessing. Uh <laughs> Here we go. Uh -huh. Bournemouth, 11th at three points. Arsenal, second at six points. Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Arsenal is minus 245. Bournemouth is plus 650. The draw is plus 390. Arsenal, minus that goal and a half that we just uh, talked about, is plus 115. Bournemouth is minus 140. So Bournemouth, to me, is this year's Norwich, uh, which means I expect them to be blown out every time they play a good attacking squad. And I can't believe I'm saying this, Brett. I can't believe it. But Arsenal actually look like a good attacking squad this year, which is such a wild turnaround from week after week of us slandering them last year. They had the same amount of goals and XG as Manchester City in the first two games. Uh, and the eye test back up the numbers. 
Jesus is finishing plays that no one on last year's roster would have had a shot in hell of scoring. Did you see him dig that ball out of his feet and chip the keeper under pressure? That was freaking incredible. You see that? Oh, there's going to be there's going to be some Jesus praise coming from my way too. But yeah, it's uh, it, one of the things that I have to say. A quick aside on this is we've talked about like Manchester City, like it's just some magical system that like makes players into an awesome machine. They just throw anybody in. They were good because their players were fucking good. And we're seeing that with Jesus now on his own at Arsenal. We're seeing that with all the little shit that Sterling's done for Chelsea and so far, even though, you know, the goals haven't really been flowing. It's like City was dominant because these guys were fucking great and they were like coming off the bench. Um, and it's yeah. really cool in a lot of ways to see like Jesus do, do these things now that he's like the guy at Arsenal. Um, and Sterling, the, the things that I have, I have appreciated watching him when it's outside of the city machine where everything is just amazing because it's such a finely tuned thing, you're really seeing the quality of these players. And, you know, yes, Jesus, it's incredible. He had an amazing match against Leicester. Uh, I, I think there's going to be lots of Jesus bets here, but God, I hate to say yep. this. I think Arsenal did some good transfer window business. Ugh. They, Ugh. Re- they really did. Ugh. I know. I we're both going to have to go rinse that one off, but they really did. I mean, Jesus, like not only is he scoring these goals, his movement is opening up huge spaces for even guys like uh, Zaka to exploit. He was, Zaka was awesome. That game. Um, Everything about the attack is just a massive improvement over last year. And that's great for us as, as soccer fans who are going to watch them each and every week. Like I dreaded watching Arsenal that last year. And now I'm, I'm genuinely excited when they're on my television. Um, Martinelli has been excellent and Saka hasn't even gotten going yet. So I think the betting markets are still handicapping them on goal totals. Like it's last year's Arsenal squad with struggle to blow out uh, anyone for this year's team. I'm absolutely delighted to get a plus number for a two goal win against a team. I fit. I feel like will replace United eventually at 20th in the table. Yeah. I mean, Bournemouth's been a little strange. Like these games with them have been, much closer than expected. Um, but again, if, if you're looking at each game <laughs> and they lost four zero to city and it was actually closer. Than really expected. Well, well, if you looked at the underlying numbers for sure. City got some hot finishing uh, that absolutely made that scoreline way more. That was a two nil win. That was a four nil win. Um, so it was shocking to not see that turn into an absolute route with amazing chance after amazing chance after amazing chance. I mean, the De Bruyne goal was just fucking absurd because he is fucking absurd. Um, so, I mean, you know, there, there's a, some interesting stuff going on with Bournemouth. Uh, they might just be this really scrappy defensive side yet. It's hard to tell. We're two matches into the data point. You know, Arsenal, I was a little worried after they kind of looked like shit for the last like 45 minutes against Palace. Um, but then we watched Palace against Liverpool. And even though Nat Phillips is starting for Liverpool, I think Palace is going to be tough. And I think with United probably vacating a, the seventh or sixth or seventh spot on the table, I would not be overly shocked. And this might be a conversation we have in our futures podcast. If Palace is one of the teams that, that take into that void. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I think that's something you have to kind of consider. Lester, Brandon Rogers is probably going to be out of a job soon, I would think. Um, but it was still a really dominant performance. They were playing a back three and Didi was playing. And they piled on the chances. And Jesus was great. And you mentioned Saka hasn't really gotten going yet. Martinelli's been great since we put in the side. I'm curious to see how Odegaard um, evolves his game from this guy that was kind of like a machine that just passed the ball into the opposing final third. So now this guy that's like getting on the end of chances, kind of creating some stuff around goal. So they're interesting. The question to me for me last year with Arsenal was as we went up and down all year, are they good? Um, this year, I think it's going to be, what does Europa league do to them as the season goes on? Um, but for right now, we don't have to worry about that shit. So that's great. So I'm with you my, uh, plus one fifteen for minus 1.5. I think they're going to be great. Uh, Jesus's quality has been outstanding. It's been really, really, really fun to watch him kind of like go as a solo artist away from the, the city stuff. Um, and now everybody can shut the hell up about his finishing stuff, at least at this point. Um, so I think that's going to be good. But my prop bet actually has nothing to do with him. I'm sure I'll have plenty of Jesus Arsenal prop bets in the future. But one of the things, too, that's really helped Arsenal and essentially got them, helped them get the win against Palace was their set pieces have been great. They have a set piece coach. They were uh, near the top of the league last year and creating chances off of set pieces. And I'm looking at a game 
where Bournemouth is going to sit back and it's going to be similar to city where the field tilt was like 90, 10 in that game. It's going to be not as bad, but it'll be 60, 40, 70, 30, which means the corners, even though you love to bet the under of Arsenal corners, I think they're going to be there this match. And Gabriel is like their guy. He's like, he's like the play in Hoosiers at the end where they're running the picket fence. They have all these different mechanisms to try to get him running free. He's plus 200 for one shot on target. And he's mm. plus 800 for three shots overall. And Nathan Ake and Ruben Diaz had four total shots against Bournemouth last week. So I think either one of those bets for Gabriel is good. I think there's going to be set pieces and he's their set piece guy. I like those numbers. Uh, I got to tell you, the Arsenal under corner bet, it might be dead. Oh, we're bearing it? They're too we're taking it up on the Woodshed week two? I, I don't know. I, I I love watching what they're doing so much. I can see so much excitement and so much positivity in what they're doing. I don't know if I can like count on the slog down the middle that leads to six corner matches like we saw all last year. So I, I wouldn't bet it with my money. I'll bet it with your money. Go <laughs> lend me some but until uh, until they kind of fall back to previous form. I think it, it might be gone. Um, I'll tell you what's not gone, and you've already mentioned it is Jesus props. And so I scanned the board. Uh, I was going to take him minus 150 to get two shots on target after he had, you know, seven shots last week. Um, but I think I found a better way to do this. If I'm going to take one, if I'm going to take two, and like you think about that, maybe it's taking one per half. I want to take him in the first half because he could get subbed off. And one shot on target in the first half, instead of being minus 150, is minus 105. So... Uh, I think the math backs this is a number no, a better way to approach it. I also think his play backs it. He had five shots and three shots on targets in the first half last week. And since I expect Arsenal to be all over Bournemouth from the jump, uh, I'm thrilled to front load his day. And I think you have way better value doing it this way rather than the original way I was going to attack it. I mean, this could be another edge too that we find with the sports books is that managers are going to be probably slightly slow to use all their subs, Premier League managers or soccer managers in general, pretty bad about using subs. But as they start getting more comfortable with swapping guys out, first half bets might be a little bit of an edge. Um, So I really like that. I I think that's something we're going to keep an eye on, both as this season goes on, as the World Cup is going on, getting first half prop bets versus whole game ones might be a lot better because of the aggressive something well the more aggressive something that we're going to probably see yep all right well let's file that one away too uh okay now i'm, I'm finally gonna have some chelsea takes Fred. i know you've been waiting for this no, so let's I, just get them out of the way this is weird this is so I, strange I though off. i've never heard a chelsea take on this pod before I don't, I don't. well i know I, I let everybody off the hook for the first episode new, and for new the year, first new toby we're gonna one. get chelsea takes this year this is weird there you go. Leeds, six at four points. Chelsea, uh, seventh at four points. Sunday at 9 a.m. Chelsea is minus 185. Leeds is plus 500. The draw is plus 340. Chelsea minus a goal and a half is plus 150. Leeds is minus 185. So seeing Leeds at six with four points is a bit of a shock because I think they're a real candidate for relegation. Um, they're picking up where they left off last year with this wide open football and style. And while Jack Harrison and Rodrigo golden boot candidate Rodrigo have shined in the first two games. Uh, They just do not have the quality to compete in open games with top quality opposition. And against Spurs, Chelsea looked like a top quality side. They, they kind of uh, brought me back in. They restored some of the hope that I had that got sucked right out of me in their ragtag preseason. I came into this year with my guard up and I felt wildly better after that 90 minutes versus the Spurs. Uh, Reese James is just an absolute monster in every aspect of the game right now. And I think he's starting to stake his claim to being the best overall right back in the world, even when he's playing at center back. Uh, I loved what I saw out of him and and Ruben Loftus-Cheek playing this really weird amorphous like 3-4-3 that seemed to quickly turn into a 4-3-3 with James still making the runs down the right and uh, Loftus-Cheek like just floating into the middle and being this like amazing ball-carrying, ball-progressing all over the right side of the field with these overlapping runs coming from James who's coming all the way from his own box. Like it was just wild to watch and they're just dominating that right flank, particularly when they're combining with Sterling over there. 
Uh, so I don't know if James could keep that up for nine months without getting injured, but if so, he creates a real force both offensively and defensively and unlocks a lot of what Tuchel wants to do. And Leeds is just so open. I expect Chelsea to be able to charge forward at will in this game. And I look for them to take out their frustration after the shambolic officiating they faced last week that robbed them of two points. So getting the two goals here, just like we're talking about with the variance and getting all the way up to plus 150 in what I feel is a quality Chelsea side against a way too open, not quality lead side. It feels like stealing to me. So tell me why I'm wrong. No, I, God, I really wanted to come to this season more bullish on leads. Um, but the first couple matches have just not, not been great. Um, I, I think, I think Mark Roke has been a good pickup from Byron. Um, I know the athleticism thing might come up. Tyler Adams. I know this is USA slander. It's not been good as, as I mean, again, he's adjusting a young guy, premier league, all that caveats you can throw in there. But I think the combination of that plus Marsh kind of insisting on playing this double pivot um, when I think they are being mostly solidified. If it was like those two and Klitsch out there, um, they just haven't controlled games, the field tilt in their matches, even when they've outcreated teams have been minuscule. And, and like I, th- I said, we're going to talk a lot about field tilt this year. I think it's a precursor to success. It's part of the reason that I'm bullish on Chelsea. And it's also the reason why with leads, not so much. Um, so yeah, I, I think this game is going to get ugly, uh, pretty quick. I, I think the Chelsea is going to pile on the chances. I like them at minus one and a half at plus plus one fifty. I like the over of three and a half goals because I think this could be the game where Chelsea and Sterling kind of break out. I can see three, four, maybe even five something score lines here. Um, you know, Chelsea has been unbelievable pinning opponents in their own half, even against Spurs. There, the field tilt in that match was 80-20 against Spurs, fourth best team in the Premier League at minimum. Um, so now they're going against a team that can't control a game. Uh, they're going to pin them in their own third. Leeds doesn't have defenders like that. I just, I think this one, I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong about Leeds. I want to see Justin Marsh do well. I want to see Tyler Adams do well. I think Brandon Aronson's actually hit the ground running. He's been pretty good. But there's nothing so far that I've seen that makes me at all optimistic about anything leads related at this point yeah i mean we're betting here what's more american than following the almighty dollar so i'd love to support my <laughs> country but i gotta protect baby. my money first uh all right all right brett it is time it is time it's the time you've been waiting for for a long time with conte and kovacic hurt and frankie DeJong still getting held at gunpoint <laughs> and mugged by barcelona <laughs> we are going to be blessed by the blue debut of our Lord and Savior, Connor Gallagher. Yes! Okay. Fans it's of the show day. know how excited I am. It's a big day Fans when your of the personal show god and hero makes a star for your they favorite They know how, how excited I am for this moment. And I feel like the all-action, all-energy Gallagher was absolutely born to play leads. So with free spaces, the potential for cheap takeaways in, uh, in the Chelsea attacking third and breaks where he can show off his excellent timing arriving in the box, I feel like I've got to take some Gallagher props this week. I've got to do it. I've got to do it, Brent. I've got to do it. Oh, my God. So Please do. Because you know what? One way or another, this is going to be great. You're going to hit your bets. I hope they're in the five pint. Or you're not, and I get to hold it over your head that your boy lets you down. So this is going to be wonderful. One way or the other, everybody wins in this whole situation. Well, if you want to win even more, let me go back to a concept we discussed last year, but I think it's revisiting. And that's um, when you want to bet anytime goal and anytime assist, do not put them together in the score or assist bet. The math is not in your favor. You want to break these two bets apart. So for in this example, Connor Gallagher, anytime goal is plus 220, anytime assist is plus 310, or you can place a bet to score or assist is minus 105. But if he gets a goal, you do, I'm sorry, it's plus 105. If he gets a goal, even if he doesn't get an assist, your return is better than plus 105. If he gets an assist and not a goal, your return is better than plus 105 on your portfolio. And you still have the opportunity that he can get both and you can win both bets. So if you like a player to end up on the score sheet with a with a goal or an assist, you are wildly better off mathematically betting them separately, which is what I am backing you to do this week. 
Connor Gallagher, hallowed be his name. Anytime goal plus 220. Anytime assist plus 310. Let's go. You know, Toby, I'm just going to say it's it's going to be a sad day when this pod is gone because MIT brings you on as a guest lecturer, um, you know, in their mathematics departments. But I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy you I have. That's all I want to say. Well, it's going to be like a reverse will hunting. I'm going to show up as a lecturer and I'm going to get demoted to Janet. It'll be, it'll be like, uh, what's his name? Big head in Silicon Valley when he gets a Stanford job. <laughs> Just exactly. Movies. Oh, it's okay. You can stay on your phone. There's technology in your phone. <laughs> exactly. I'll be cleaning toilets before my lecture time was even done. Uh, all right, last match for the week. Newcastle, fifth at four points. Manchester City, first at six the points. sports washing Sunday bowl. At, Here we go. <laughs> the sports washing bowl. Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Where's Hench? Stay. <laughs> What's Hench doing yeah. for this match? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I do. <laughs> I like, I'm already afraid of my texts that are going to be coming my way. Uh, <laughs> Manchester City is minus 265. Newcastle is plus 800. The draw is plus 400. Manchester City minus 1.5 is plus 105. Notice I said plus 105 for a Manchester City prop. Mm -hmm. Newcastle is minus 130. Uh, And just interestingly enough, Newcastle to get a point is plus 220. So this is actually my favorite game of the weekend outside of the moral turpitude that it puts you in for watching it. Um, The game against Bournemouth for City pretty much went as expected. The runaway city train continues to destroy everything on the tracks. I think we kind of know who they are at the moment, but we don't know as much about Newcastle. As we've discussed many times on the show, they are sneakily a top side of the Premier League uh, last year after the January transfer window, and they had another window to strengthen. Entering this year, I thought they were clearly better than United, and I was right, but that's more of a victory by forfeit. Uh they come out on the first day and they look really good taking three points from Forrest, but then they crap the bed against Brighton and not in a good way, looking outclassed throughout. So I'm looking forward to seeing them take on the current gold standard and see just how wide the gap is that they're looking to close. And I'm standing by what I said last week. Uh, while I think Newcastle has a chance to close this gap, while I think it could be a big seven or it could be a big six with United on the outside looking in. I have to continue to fully back city until they give me any reason whatsoever not to. So while I'm kind of rooting to lose my bet at city um, minus a goal and a half at plus one Oh five, because that means Newcastle is ready to be even more competitive and bring more parity to the top of the league. I still got to think city is going to run away from uh, Newcastle in this match. Yeah. I, I, I still think uh, we're probably underestimating the amount of time that this influx of uh, Saudi money is going to need to really push them, especially with the way that it, it they've been responsibly spending it. All right. They're not doing it in a way and they've come out and said it basically that they are not going to flout financial fair play. They're going to spend it within the measure, the measure that they have available to them. Um, with that said, that just means that they're not going to be able to stack on the, the quality and the talent to probably catch up as quickly as it's been anticipated. They would. Um, you know, and, and also I just have questions. Like I, I, have not been super, I think Graham Potter's a great manager. Um, I think he does good stuff with Brighton. I don't think Brighton have great players and they dominated Newcastle. Um, and so that, like I said, if we're using each game, early game as the data set to try to tell us something after match week one, I was like, now and Forrest are terrible and Newcastle looks great. Cause they suffocated and created tons of chances and pinned them in their final third. And then they played a Brighton team who I can't really like say there's a single player that I genuinely enjoy watching on Brighton. Um, but they, they just completely suffocated Newcastle. Um, so I, I would have to think that city is going to do the same thing. Um, you know, again, if you're following that kind of logic. So yeah, I think we're getting plus money at city. I, I do think there's a ceiling on the scoreline. I, I, I think the days of city walking into St. James park, um, is going and then winning with four or five goals is probably over. Uh, I think the ceiling is probably about two or three. So you are skirting a little bit of a thin line within the margin of outcomes. Um, but I do think that this new city style that Pep has leaned into fully, which is not so much the run you over days of four or five years ago, it is very much the we are going to suffocate you and never give you the ball back and win every match 
one or two nothing with like 95% possession and the ball, <laughs> you never get the ball on our side of the pitch. Um, and so with that said, I, I will take the plus money for one, minus one and a half. I'm not super thrilled about it, but there are two bets that I really do like. And that is the exact scoreline bets at plus the same pricing. It's plus 700 for one Oh city and two Oh city. So mm. I, uh, you know, there's a way to bet both with the same amount and you're going to profit. And I think that's a huge part of the scoreline. So that's, those, those are going to, they're going to be in my pipeline. I mean, we're going to get right to it right away. Anyways, a little bit, um, but that, that's probably some of my favorite bets of the weekend. Uh, I really don't think there's a huge range of outcomes in this match because city uh, soccer is random as hell, <laughs> but city are one of the more predictable teams in the way that they can impose themselves on a match and you're going to get the type of match that you think. Um, and so I, I like those two bets quite a bit. I think the pricing is really good for plus 700 for each one of those, because I don't see a lot of other outcomes besides those two score lines. Yeah, not to go backwards in the show, but like this makes me feel even better about what I was saying about taking uh, one and a half instead of outright wins. I mean, if if the book considers them just as likely to win by two goals and one goals in these exact score lines, why would you want to take right. Manchester City minus two sixty five to win when you can get it all the way up to plus one hundred five if you just extended to a two goal victory? Exactly. So yeah. that's that is a data point that actually makes me feel like maybe I'm on to something and not just pulling. Uh, things out of my nether regions. Well, I mean, um, I just really, at this point, Toby, you just got to start looking at real estate in Boston. I mean, MIT is going to get this and you're going to get a phone call. It's just, it's coming. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, maybe I can afford a place in Boston if, if I'm actually right. And these lines keep continuing to fall our way. Uh, so Manchester city is plus 100 to score in both halves. That's going to be my prop, and it's very simple. Watching their attack click on all cylinders right out of the gate, I'm having a hard time imagining them ever going 45 minutes without scoring a goal. <laughs> and I'd have to imagine it right now because they've scored in all four halves so far this year. They're minus 1,600 to get at least one goal, which is absurd, by the way. So minus 1,600 yeah. to not be shut out is a crazy number for a soccer team. Uh, so this feels like tremendous value to get so much better odds that they can keep the half streaks going and get at least one more in the first half. And I'm sorry, in both halves this week. Uh, so, all right, that closes out our match previews. We're pushing up against an hour. So let's get you out of here with the five pint. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we started out hot. I was plus 3.6 units in the first week. Thanks to my corners bet between Chelsea and Spurs. Thank you, gentlemen. And Brett with himself was up 1.4. So both of us are already in the money uh, getting you off. Nice go start to the go. year. So this, uh, this week, I am putting my money where my brain was earlier in the show. And I'm fully leaning into this trend. So the first four will follow a theme. And then the last one uh, is just to bless the first four. Liverpool minus a goal and a half plus 150 for a pint. Arsenal, minus a goal and a half, plus 115 for a pint. Chelsea, minus a goal and a half, plus 150 for a pint. Manchester City, minus a goal and a half, plus 105 for a pint. And I want to mention, because all four of those are plus numbers, all I got to do is go two and two, and it's a, a return on my investment for the portfolio. And then finally, uh, Brett, I'm, I'm going to ask for a caveat here and you're going to give it to me, uh, <laughs> okay. because if you, if you don't, I'm glad you're asking, man. at least you asked because if you don't, our Lord and savior will smite you right where you sit. <laughs> so as long as Gallagher starts, as long as Tuchel doesn't like start RLC and Jorginho in a, in a pivot, which I'm really hoping he does it. As long as Gallagher starts, give me a half pint on the anytime goal at plus 220 and give me a half pint on the anytime assist at plus 310. See if I can cash one for a return. See if I can cash both for a true celebration. If he does not start, give me that uh, Jesus first half shot on target at minus 105. I, like I almost wanted to steal that from one from you, but I'm very committed to mine. Um, and, and I mean, my, mine are going to be basically tied. It's going to be a high variance week for me. Uh, they're going to be tied to pretty much two outcomes every single pint. Uh, I'm going, I'm going to put one each on each of those city exact score lines. So I'm going to do one at plus 700 on one Oh city, uh, one at two Oh city at plus 700. Uh, again, just think that's such a massive part of their range that you're looking good for that. Um, and then the other, basically the other one, other outcome that I'm looking for is going to be lead. I'm going to go at Leeds Chelsea game. I think Leeds is a little bit overvalued. I think Chelsea's 
final third dominance um, is going to pay off in actual goals. So I'm going to both, uh, I'm going to take one pint on Chelsea at minus 1.5 at plus 150. I'm going to take uh, one pint on the over of three and a half goals for the match at plus 500. And I'm going to do a parlay on both those things. So Ooh, this, is, this is going to be, yeah, this is going to be some kind of week for me. It's going to be very good or I'm going to be throwing away all the money out last week for everybody. All right. So we'll be back next week. As long as bread is not completely broken, as long as I am not lecturing at MIT, we will continue to do episodes. One of those things is uh, way more is, likely than the other. And that's me oh, being broke. Come on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So this was a really fun week. I really enjoyed uh, the time, Brett. Thanks for giving it to us. Thanks for giving the audience your excellent analysis. And I hope everybody didn't mind my gibberish too much. And we will be back next week with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by Brett's expert analysis. Take care and enjoy the weekend, folks. Have a good one, y'all.